0: live. Happy Monday, everyone. I hope that you're having a great Monday. We have a great Motivation Monday plan for you with the fabulous Rochelle Kyler. She's going to tell you all about herself. But before she does, I want to tell you how we know each other. This is what I call somewhat of my tribe series. And I've known Rochelle since we were in high school at Shaw High School in East Cleveland. Um, One of my great friends from there We were in Drama Club together. We also were in Key Club, (laughs) National Honor Society. We were doing a lot in high school. All the things, (laughs) all the things. (laughs) And also, you know, doing great in our academics, earning scholarships to any college we wanted to go to. So I want you to tell
1: us a little bit more about yourself, Rochelle. Yes, thank you so much, Dr. Shomo, for having me on. Um, This is an honor for me and I just love what you're doing. So I'm so glad I could be here to share in um, this conversation with you. So as Anissa was saying, uh, we both went to Shaw High School and I went on to graduate from Dartmouth College. After that, I spent about 13 years in New York City uh, working in cultural institutions and museums. Um, I just recently moved back to the Upper Valley with my fiance. Um, I'm back to Dartmouth College to um, finish my master's of arts and liberal studies. Um, And also I'm an employee of the college. And so I work in information technology and consulting, uh, as well as some other cultural um, activities around campus. So thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. Doing amazing things at Dartmouth and in New York City. I remember visiting (laughs) you in New York City at BAM. (laughs) Oh, yes. The BAM days. Those were fun times. Fun times. Yes. So, all right. Well, the activity that we do for Motivation Monday is we talk about a time that was hard in our lives. And the Mm. reason that I wanted to do this for Motivation Monday is because I feel like we wear so many masks, especially with social media these days. We present the best versions of ourselves. And I honestly mm-hmm. try to show, show different sides of myself on my social media, but mm-hmm. I know that a lot of people don't do that. And so I try to enlist other people to kind of join me in what is somewhat of a vulnerability you know, mission um, because it's something that I had to go through myself. And I try to encourage other people to really think about you know, different things that they have been through how they've healed from that, and just be an example of how we can talk about the difficult part of our lives in addition mm-hmm. to the to the good times.
1: Yeah, I think that is so true. And um, as you mentioned, many of us do wear masks for a number of reasons, not just to protect ourselves, but also, you know, some of us do that to protect our jobs. We're afraid that our employers might Um, think something about us that isn't true based on what they experience. And in general, um, I feel like a lot of spaces that people go into, they don't feel comfortable being their full selves and bringing their full selves with them. And so that's the difficult part of sort of allowing yourself to be vulnerable, because without that vulnerability and being honest about it, it's much more difficult to get to the healing.
0: Right. Right. And that's what's hard. I mean, we do a lot of that wearing a lot of those masks because of the spaces that we're in. But even I feel like even in spaces where people don't have to be that way, they still have Mm -hmm. a hard time turning that off that, you know, because we get so used to just lying to everybody about what's going (laughs) on in our lives, mostly just because of our society. Like we just are not a very empathetic and vulnerable nation in in America. Um, So we just have a hard time being truly authentic, even in spaces that we can be and people will be accepting of it. But it's just it's just taking us a long time to get to that place.
1: True. And it can be cultural, too. You know, our folks <laughs> tend to not want to tell, you know, family secrets or big you know, traumatic or dramatic things that have happened because of fear of embarrassment or, you know, those sorts of things come into play as well. And I think um, it also is big in, in a lot of cultures, uh, particularly people of color.
0: Right. Exactly. I feel like it's that way in in pretty much every culture, though. We all have mm-hmm. embarrassing things and we, we carry a lot of shame and guilt. Yes. And that's one of the things I talk about in my book is, you know, trying to figure out how to have some forgiveness of others, but also... Of ourselves, you know, that we are all human and we all have flaws and things that we wish we could take back. But that's just part of the human experience of making mistakes and growing from them and learning from them. But also just having that self-compassion with ourselves is so important.
1: Absolutely. Uh, It's interesting that you bring that up because that's definitely the part of um, health is love that spoke to me the most. And that's, you know, meditation number seven on forgiveness, reflection and meditation. And, you know, we, we struggle to forgive ourselves for things because yeah. we hold on to that guilt. Like you said, we hold on to that shame. But then we also struggle to forgive others. And I think one thing that was really um, resonant with me is, you know, the statement that you make is that forgiveness is not the same as trust. And it takes a longer time to either build up that trust or to continue on and loving someone from afar without even engaging in trying to rebuild a trust. So right. it, it takes time to just sit with yourself and reflect on the things that have happened. And also, you know, just to keep it real, you know, if, even if you're not going to keep it real with, you know, your friends or family, you have to keep it real with yourself and exactly. address exactly.
0: that. All right. So what do you want to share with us today, Rochelle?
1: So um, it took me a while to, sort of think through some of my most um, traumatic and vulnerable life experiences, Um, but I decided that I wanted to talk a little bit about um, my relationship with my father. Mm -hmm. And one of the most um, painful experiences that I had with my father, who um, he's still alive, but he and I do know uh, we we no longer communicate, um, and I'll get to that a little bit later. But um, as a teenager, I had a tough time dealing with my father because we lived I lived with him while I was going to school and working and doing all these extracurricular activities. But he has always struggled with alcohol abuse, um, and I just remember being fed up with him coming home drunk after I had a long day and clean the house and cook myself dinner and things like that and him co- sort of coming home and that would start a lot of arguments and one argument in particular um he had a lot of uh girlfriends that he would entertain and you know he he was uh, very much a ladies man and one night he came home um intoxicated and asked me if his girlfriend had called. And for whatever reason, that set me off. And I was so upset. I was like, of course she called. Like, what do you mean she calls every day? I was really like, why are you even engaging with me when you're in this state? I was so angry. I slammed my door. I broke my fan. So many things happened. And then he mm-hmm. eventually um, boiled over into violence. So that was one of the few times where my father did become violent um, and I wound up um well he, he he wound up um breaking my nose and I remember running out of the apartment across the hall to the neighbor's place to call the police and when the police came they were like well you both have scratches you both have this I was like I was flabbergasted like wow well, okay I'm a teen here's a parent who's clearly um, inebriated and you're not even trying to protect me or help me so it was a very difficult time um that
0: sounds terrible like I've never it, heard the story before and that's that's really terrible
1: I appreciate it yeah it's just I'm it's one of those happened to you thank you thank you yeah it's it's one of those things where um you know I still have never been able to address that with my father. Um, even we had our, I think, I don't know if you remember, um, the counselor we had at Shaw, but I used to see her. And I remember one time I convinced my father to come to talk to her with me the same school year when all this happened. Yeah. And I remember we just, we didn't get anywhere. We didn't address anything. He wouldn't admit to anything. And so I knew that, okay, eventually I'm going to have to deal with the situation on my own. And then, figure out how I'm going to manage my relationship with my father. So fast forward many, many, many years later, um, you know, I've still tried to, in, in the recent past, I still tried to communicate with him um, to have conversations with him, but it's been difficult again because of the alcohol abuse. Right. And I just made a decision um, to say, you know what, like, I love you. I appreciate that you brought me into this world but I can't, I can't subject myself to continued like pouring salt into the wound, continued ignoring right. of these issues that have happened that we we'll never get to address because you know only one of us can't talk about it and be vulnerable about it. We both have to talk about it and be bu- vulnerable about it. So right. that's that's think, the decision.
0: That I, I think it's all I don't know if i've ever talked to you about my relationship with my mom i'm sure i have oh yes but it's it's pretty similar in that my (laughs) Mm -hmm. mom has issues with addiction also with with mostly with all types of addiction mostly cocaine when she was when i was younger but then sometimes now i feel like um at times some issues with opiates or different things um Mm. but so i completely understand what you mean it's it's really it's really a hard thing to watch a child and know how your parent for me my mom used to be different so it was kind of like a stark change when all of mm-hmm. that was going on. But mm-hmm. also as an adult, you just really, it's like grieving a person who's alive.
1: Yes. And exactly. so for me,
0: being a geriatrician, it's kind of like when people have Alzheimer's and they're still alive, but they're mm-hmm. just not the same person. Um, And it's just, it's really
1: a hard thing. Yeah, it's difficult because you do grieve, you do feel sad, you know, and I remember What I try to do is find a balance of thinking back on the positive times where I had a good relationship with my dad, um, which, you know, uh, was when I was much, much younger. Um, and He was very excited about having a kid and we would hang out all the time and things like that. But there was so much, um, like my parents were so embroiled in their own, you know, disagreements and arguments and those sorts of things. They were never together. And so it was difficult to try to build a relationship beyond okay I'm seeing my dad on the weekend and we're going skating or okay I'm seeing my dad and and he's taking me to the mall to buy some clothes like we never got a chance to know each other on a a deeper level and so what's been helpful for me in that even though I do miss those times is just to think like you know what has my dad been through what did he go through in his childhood what trauma did he experience to where these were the decisions that he made for his life. He, and or these, you know, the the addiction, he's made the decision not to address it or the um sort of ignoring certain issues and topics not to talk about them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that must be, that must come from his own trauma and how he's trying to cope. And he just maybe didn't have the tools that we have now that are accessible right. to us. And so I try to be empathetic and compassionate to him, but also compassionate to myself and say, you know, I don't have to suffer through trying to keep a relationship going that isn't serving me or that isn't healthy. Um, so it's, it's difficult because you know, who, who wants to be disconnected from their parent? Um, right. Sometimes you have to.
0: Exactly. And I think that was hard for me about a lot of that, like having a difficult relationship with one of my parents, Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, like with everything else in life, there's always this TV version of how a relationship with your parent is supposed to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I feel like when I went to college, I carried a lot of shame about that. Like, oh my God, everybody else had these perfect families and my family's messed up, but Mm -hmm. everybody's family is messed up. Yeah, And that's, and in different ways, you know, of course there are people who have really good relationships with their parents. Um, but there's just a lot there's a lot of things that we go through. and I feel like we all have this expectation of how the how things are supposed to be. Um, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of somewhat of a fantasy of how things are supposed to be because it's not that way for most people. And right. that, I feel like that's one of the things that is hardest about that relationship with your parents. when when your parents are only human and they're trying to do the best that they can, you right. have a lot of expect expectations of how they're supposed to be. Um, but they're they're human just like us, you know. <laughs> so right.
1: It's rough. <laughs> right. It's rough, and they, you know, like I said before, they might not have had the tools. Just thinking about right. the generations, um, for uh, in my family specifically, you know, I'm black, and a lot of my family has never been in therapy, has never spoken to anyone like a counselor right. or a therapist because. You know, there's this stigma about, oh, no, I can't tell people my business and they're going to look down on me and, you know, the embarrassment and shame instead of considering like, oh, maybe speaking to someone who is agnostic and outside of my situation, I might actually be able to get some additional perspective. And so that's that's the part that um, for me that has been so healing and helpful is just to recognize, like, look, I don't have to be able to solve these issues. And I may never be able to, I may never be able to have the kind of relationship with my father that I wanted to. But that doesn't mean that I still can't address, you know, my own healing and have my own path forward. Right. Because I I think
0: that for a lot of people, you have to accept people for who they are and not try to make mm-hmm. them to, into another person. Mm-hmm. And I think that often what happens for a lot of people is they internalize that of like, there's something wrong with me, why they don't want to act a certain way. And that's one of the biggest things I try not to do. Like I know that I didn't do anything wrong. And that's mm-hmm. just one of those things where I feel, you know, like, I feel like, like you're saying, that our, the generation that our parents was in, there was a lot of drugs going on, you know, mm-hmm. when they were young, when they in the seventies, a lot of people were doing a lot of drugs, drinking a lot. It was just a really big um, time for substance abuse. And right. so it's just one of those right. things of, you know, that wasn't really, when we were young, it was the the motto was say no to drugs, you know? Right. <laughs> so right. it's just one of right. those things of yeah. being raised differently. And obviously, there's still a lot of people from our generation who have a lot of issues with the opiate epidemic and everything, but it was just a different. It's just been a different time where it's never been accepted, though, even though people have been having a lot of issues with opiate, you know, in our generation, it's never been like openly something that people are doing. People are have a lot of shame about it versus I feel like our parents generation, everybody was doing a lot of drugs and it was
1: just the. It was like a normal thing, you know? Right. It was the thing to do. And in addition to that, that time period, you know, specifically, my dad is a a veteran. And so Mm -hmm. I think about his experience in the Navy and, you know, Vietnam War. Again, a lot of people were using drugs or, you know, to buck convention, to go up against the establishment and to deal with the, the traumas they had experienced from being in war or being without a family member who was away at war, a useless war. Um, So I think about that, too, and how that might come into play and how, you know, he communicates and how he actually, you know, deals with or doesn't deal with some of his own issues and how that sort of spills out into our relationship. So I just try to be um, empathetic to think about that. But you're right. That was really a time period when it was sort of no holds barred.
0: Right. Yeah. One of the other other things that helps me with dealing with my mother's situation about, you know, addiction and just not being around and not being present, because that was the biggest thing. Even when I lived with her for Mm -hmm. two years, she just wasn't present. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: One of the biggest things for me that helped kind of cope with that was finding a lot of maternal figures, Um, people who are, that's why I have such a great friend group, because I have Very, like, caring, empathetic, motherly. I like to be around people like that who are going to, you know, nurture you. I like the loving, nurturing people. And that was one of the things for me when I was, like, a teenager. I gravitated to people like um, Miss Morrison, our librarian, Mm -hmm. who was the Mm -hmm. key club um, director. Mm -hmm. All types of, you know, she was a great maternal figure for me in high school. And then my stepmother, my bonus mom, Karen. Yep. So just, you know, for me, that was one of the big things important just to know that just because this person, you know, has issues and is going through whatever they're going through, you can try to find those qualities in other people that you need. You know, you have to get your needs met, too, and try to figure out how you can do that without trying to make somebody into something that you need, you know?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I am totally there with you. Like, I... Was very lucky, and still, you know, am lucky to have still a a core, strong set of friends um, from that time period, and you know, shortly before that time period, and also both women and men um, that I have come across in my life who have decided, like, you know what, they care about me for whatever reason, and they want to be in my life and be supportive, and so that's been very helpful, especially since, um, even in addition to sort of dealing with the, you know, absence of a present, um, father, I still had, you know, other figures in my life, you know, one of my very close, um, family members, my cousin, Michelle, she took me in when I was 12 and, you know, I could go live with her and be with her in the times where, you know, things with my father weren't working or weren't convenient. Um, and so she's definitely stepped in as a mother figure, Um, And because my mom, you know, my actual biological mother got sick, it was it was helpful for another woman to sort of step in and and offer that, like you said, that that maternal, that nurturing. Um, But I've just found that in so many different places. And I don't know if it's something that, you know, is energetic, like people can sense that that's something that my spirit needs. And so they we gravitate toward each other because of that. Um, i'm not sure but i think part I'm, of it I'm is grateful. that i
0: feel like a part of it is that we are that way you know yeah. often people who who feel like they need something tend to be that tend to be that what they need to other people and then mm-hmm. in return they often either attract people who are the same way or they attract people who so you know we're kind of somewhat givers
1: mm-hmm.
0: but mm-hmm. i feel like at times we attract other givers but at times we attract so right you have to be careful you have to be careful about that as well because you know part of part of what is great about us and our friend group is just having good boundaries because it can be you have to number one like love yourself enough to know that you're good enough and that you deserve people who are good to you because for a lot of people they can kind of turn it into the negative of, I'm not good enough for XYZ. I'm not worthy of love. I'm not worthy of whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of become this cycle of where they are attracting takers
1: all the time. Right. So, or um, they're not able to actually fully um, allow someone to give to them. Right. So that's something that I've struggled with specifically, you know, having gone through some of those. Um, traumatic issues with my family in my past like dealing with my partner and just being very much like okay I I know that this person loves and cares about me I have to let them show me that they love and care about me and not be skeptical because it's hard it's the hard trust. when you're used to yeah exactly it's hard when someone betrays you and who says that they love you and you know you know th- this person does probably love you, but they're just not able to show it in that way. And so it takes a long time and it has taken me a while to just be able to accept love and accept um, that someone wants to care for you um, because you are deserving despite what you've gone through in the past.
0: Yes. Yeah. And I feel like I've, I've had similar experiences. Um, Fortunately, I met my husband when I was, when we were young, you know, Mm -hmm. so It took us a while to get married. Also, it took us 10 years Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get married. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't so much. I mean, I feel like early on in our relationship, there were some trust things, Mm -hmm. Um, both of us trying to figure it all out because we were so young. Um, But I think later on, it was more just we were busy um, trying to get through school and everything. So, but it does take time to try to heal from those traumas of your family. Family trauma is, you know, that's that's the first place where we learn how to love. And yep. how to nurture and all those sort of things, and if you have, which everybody has, breakdowns in the in that you know example,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it takes time to to relearn it and heal from that and and figure out, you know, what that looks like for you because when you are dealing with partners and friends and all of that sort of thing, everybody was raised with a different family culture than you, so it right. looks like taking from from and from your perspective may not be what people may have intended um mm-hmm. and you know having open comp- communication and being honest about any kind of um any kind of you know disagreements or or um just differences in and what that looks like for different people can be you know can be good for healing whenever there is some kind of dis- disagreement or debate or argument that may come up. Conflict, I guess is the word that I'm looking for. So there can be a lot of conflict because we're all from different places and giving looks different in different families and different cultures. Taking looks different. So -hmm. just trying to figure out how to have that trust and understand that exchange that, you know, friends and families should have and just having good boundaries to learn when, when it's, you know, when it's not, healthy you
1: know (laughs) right no absolutely I was just gonna say you know boundaries is the the key term here because so many of us come from like you said different backgrounds but also um what I have found at least in my experience I meet a lot of people who have family relationships and bonds that don't have any boundaries mine included where you know people can you know beat up on you, be violent on one minute, and then love up on you and give you things that you need in the next minute. And so it becomes difficult to try to say, okay, um, actually, like you said, this is not healthy. How can I put up a boundary for myself to say, I want to only experience this kind of interaction with you because that's really all I can handle or manage and that doesn't mean that I don't care or love you it just means that this is what's working for me and a lot of times i think many of us don't th- think we even deserve that level of autonomy in ourselves right. to say you know to set up a boundary and it's been difficult because you know it took me a very long time before i made the decision that you know i wasn't going to communicate with my father anymore um, and this was after all of these years of all these situations, um, even having nightmares as an adult. And I'm oh. like, you know what, this is ridiculous. I <laughs> I don't need to be having nightmares about, you know, past traumas that still have not been resolved when I yeah. can just say, let me just um, protect myself and put a boundary up so that I don't have to feel obligated to communicate with someone who can't, give me the kind of relationship I would need with them. And that's, that's really just putting up boundaries.
0: Right. It's really important. And I I think that for me, often what happens for a lot of people is that they try to treat people the same way. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, either, either I'm going to be all the way tight with you, or it's going to be nothing. And for Mm -hmm. me, I'm just like, there's just different levels. I'm one of I'm one of nine, as you know. Right, <laughs> and I have different, <laughs> I have different relationships with my siblings, and I I actually can communicate with most of them, just by understanding that there are different, you know, functions and and ways that people show love and care, and there's different, you know, levels that I can engage them. I, I'm not going to travel places with every single one of those siblings. I cannot, you know, travel with them. Um, I I may be able to sit down and have a meal with them, though, you know, so just trying to figure out how you can engage people and meet them where they are instead of trying to have everybody be where you want them to be.
1: Right. Exactly. And that that really takes, again, keeping it real with yourself, being honest with what you're feeling and wanting to address whatever issue is keeping you from your healing Um, instead of like you, you know, say in the book, you know, a lot of times we just sort of keep it moving. um, Don't say anything, um, you know, just let things go. And that builds and builds and builds and builds over time when you could really just say, hey, here are my needs. Here are your needs. Where can we meet in the middle and, you know, protect ourselves and each other?
0: Right. And then one of the things about both of us is that we're both Aries. Yes, child. (laughs) Which I talked about. (laughs) Hold on a second. One of the things that is interesting about both of us is that we're both Aries, which I talked about when I was talking about my husband being a Taurus. But as Aries, we're just so, we want to be so honest with people. And we want to be, we we expect that from other people. And it's sometimes hard, though, because we're too honest at times Mm, when we just need mm. to, we do need to just, you know, just let it sit and that sort of thing. But I've found it for me personally. Like when I have, I love my dad to death, but at times he does get on my nerves, you know. <laughs> um, As parents do. Everybody has, you know, different relationships with their family members that mm-hmm. they loved, you know, love to life. Um, mm-hmm. That at times you do need to um, vent though. So like if right. I have issues with my Dad, that you know, as an Aries, I wanna at times be like, you know, maybe you shouldn't have done that, or maybe this isn't cool. I won't, I won't say it to him.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll say it to my, I'll, I'll,
0: like one of my sisters is like my bestie, and I'll talk to her about it. I'm um, just an event, and I know that sometimes people right. are like, well, why are you, you know, why would you go behind their back and say it? And it's just not, it's not necessarily that you need to be honest with everybody about everything. If you want right. to get it off your chest, you know, that's why a lot of people go to therapy. But for yeah. me, I have just have so many good friends that I can just tell them what's going on without yes. judgment. But yes. that's, that's why a lot of people go to therapy because they'll just be quiet and they'll never say anything about it. But for me, I'm just really happy to have a, a good group of friends such as yourself um, oh, and thank a lot you. of other friends in my family that I can just be like, let me tell you about your dad, you know? Right,
1: <laughs> Like likewise. <laughs> like, it's so good to be able to, like you say event, I mean, the honesty is a, a big part of our lives um, right. and it's important, but sometimes being honest with someone who's not going to receive it is not right. going to be beneficial anyway. So right. you might as well, you know, talk to your therapist, talk to your bestie, talk to your sister to hear another perspective or even just to let loose right. so that you can release those feelings and address them that way instead of coming away from another potentially traumatic situation where right. you told somebody about themselves and they were not receiving it. So it's not always helpful, but the honesty really that's most important is the honesty within yourself, just right. knowing who you are, knowing what you need. And if you do need to get it out, knowing that you have people that you love and that you can talk to um, and be safe with and right. share those things.
0: And I know that's why a lot of people journal because they may not have
1: people they can talk to and that sort
0: of thing. I'm just, I can't sit still enough to really write. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I usually will call people and, you know, go for a walk and talk to them while I'm walking or doing different things. So, it, but it is, yes. it's, it's one of those things that there are going to be times when you have conflict and learning yes. how to resolve that conflict or even just sit on it. It's something that is really important. And and especially if you're a person like like the two of us (laughs) who is very honest and but you learn how to bite your tongue, but necessarily you don't necessarily want to hold it in, but you don't necessarily want to, you know,
1: say how you feel all the time. Like we have to have a filter. (laughs) Right. Right, 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 right. And that comes from, you know, loving and caring about people and just knowing, okay, the best way to communicate is X, Y, Z and not me blowing up and going off about something I have a question for you oh yes so um when you're dealing with something that's stressful or when you're triggered and something from you know traumatic from your past comes up how do you deal with it on the spot um like do you do physical activity um you know I know there's there are there are some amazing lists of activities in your book that you talk about, you know, and, and help people sort of think about which are healthy and which aren't. But I wonder what you do when things like that come up for you um, more immediately.
0: Right. So it just depends. Like I said, I usually will talk to somebody like one of my friends or one of my siblings, or I will um, go for a walk or go for a run It just depends on what time of day it is. Like if I'm Mm -hmm. in the middle of working Mm -hmm. um, and something like that comes up, then I tend to be a person who will just go quiet, Mm -hmm. um, just become very quiet and introspective and try to really think about how I want to approach it. Because I Mm -hmm. think that that's one of the, one of the, you know, art that is really can be lost um, for people who are, kind of um, very honest is that they want to say how they feel in that exact moment. But it's one of those yeah. things that you might take some time to think about. What is it that is making you upset? What is it about the situation that's making you frustrated? And so for me, I will, you know, I have, as, as I talk about in the book, just learn how to reflect a lot on trying to pinpoint what it is that's bothering me. Oh, um, uh-huh. And so I often will will go quiet more these days. And I feel like for me, exercise and a lot of things helps me be able to do that because I remember one time I was really frustrated at work. Everything wasn't working. Like the printer wasn't working. Computers weren't working. (laughs) It was a mess. And I remember like walking out of the office and my staff being like, I hope she's coming back. (laughs) But I remember like just feeling like I wanted to scream. And I was like, let me just walk out of here and take a deep breath. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. I walked out. I took a deep breath. I came back in. And then later I was like, why did I get so frustrated that day? Because this job, like I worked in public health, Mm -hmm. this job is frustrating every day. Why Mm -hmm. did I feel like that Mm -hmm. in that moment? Why was it so overwhelming at that time? And I realized that I had not exercised in 10 days because I was hurt. I had run a half marathon and I was um, in some pain. So I was trying to take a break. But then I was like, well, you know, if I'm ever hurt again, I should figure out something else to do because I cannot go 10 days without exercising. (laughs) Right,
1: because I will lose it and I got to go outside and take a deep breath. Yeah, No, exercise is really important. I was going to just add that you know, when I'm, when I'm feeling, you know, triggered or upset, um, I try to also just be reflective and stop and think like, what is actually triggering me? What is making me so upset? Because a lot of times our triggers are not or are, are no longer present. So and they just are living in the body. Um, and they get riled up when when that trigger happens. So for me, I will throw on some Missy or some Beyonce and have a private dance party. And I always feel better after that.
0: That's amazing.
1: (laughs) Yes. Thank you.
0: I wish I could do that more at
1: work. Listen, close that office door, be like, hey, um, or invite in your staff, like, you know what, y'all, we need a five-minute dance break. Right. I have done that. I've done that in my old
0: office before. Like, all right, we need a dance party. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. It is so helpful. So helpful. Yes.
0: Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing about you know this difficulty that you're having with the relationship with your father that's ongoing. And I hope that you are able to find some peace with it, which it sounds like you have, but I just wish you more peace with it because it is a difficult thing.
1: I appreciate it. Um, And thank you for, like I said, allowing me to share my experience, creating a safe space. Um, I'm so proud of you. I'm so honored to be a part of this. Um, And I think Motivation Monday is going to be an incredible journey for all of us who want to be involved and want to find our own healing. So thank you for taking us on that journey with you and thank you for having me and thank you for being thank you for being my friend no
0: No problem thank you so much and a lot of people don't know this so let me say this since you were just on here singing (laughs) because we used to sing together all the time just in in my bedroom we weren't in the (laughs) choir but we used to sing all the time but um so when I, I did the vocals for the intro and the outro for motivation monday and Michelle yes. helped give me feedback about it. I'm <laughs> like, listen to this, listen to this. She's like, are you on the treadmill? Like, is this making the band right now? <laughs> Carrie Ann and Diddy are.
1: <laughs> I just love you so much though. You, I are, sure you are the best. <laughs> I love you too. Thank you so much, Dr. Shomo, for having me. No problem. I hope you all feel motivated and
0: ready to have a great week. And we will see you next time. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye.
1: Bye. Motivation
0: Monday. Motivation. Motivation, Monday. Motivation, Monday. Motivation, Monday. Motivation, Monday.